Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday afternoon, yet again during the Tottenham game. I can't believe I allowed this to happen. Joining us from Boston, where he's moved up from uh, Orlando, to catch up with the uh, ice-cold Detroit Pistons, that's now a thing to trail, is Tim Bontemps. Hello, guys. Yes, Pistons have a chance to tie the overall consecutive losing streak record with 28 losses tonight, Thursday night against Boston. So by the time you're listening to this, so they've either pulled off one of the biggest upsets in recent memory and probably across sports or they'll have tied the losing record. So we'll see what happens. You know, typically in October, like, you know, whatever, August, October, whatever, when you looked at the schedule, you just said, this is a trap game and a half for Boston coming off a West Coast trip. You know, we knew the Pistons were going to be good. But it's the yeah, first game back from the West Coast trip is always the tricky game, right? Right. Especially if it's against a team you don't get up for. But right. I feel like it's now the inverse. Teams don't want to be the one who, you know, gets the streak over against them. So oh, absolutely. They, so now Cam it's like Thomas, a, Cam Thomas flat out said that on the, the broadcast after the game the other night when they won. They for the first time they beat, they played the last two games, they played the Nets. And after the game in Brooklyn, he got interviewed post game by Megan Triplett from the Yes Network and was like, Yeah, look, everybody knows what's going on with them. You don't want to be the team that breaks the streak. By the right. way, you guys want to guess the spread in that game? Well, hold on. Joining us from Dallas, Texas, where Mark Cuban is no longer the governor of the Dallas Mavericks. But he still had a basketball operation. That means he could still ban Band McMahon. Howdy, partners. Listen, there is nobody better to cover a historic losing streak than the USWB himself. The urine <laughs> stain, wet blanket, Tim Bond tips. This assignment was made for him. I'm going to guess that the spread is three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. The, I think the that Celtics, might be an NBA record. It was the Cel- it's not that high. The Celtics not, are I, I really, 14 I thought it was and 0. and a half points. Is it not? Well, hold on. When we are right now, as we're doing this, we don't know. Do we know whether Tatum and uh, Jason and Jay- Tatum is playing? Jalen Brown is not. Okay. All right. That's a factor. And here's what I'm going to tell you. Oh, wow. I think it was 21 and a half at one point. It's gone down. Well, maybe it was 21 and a half. I just looked at it now and my eyes popped out. I, I I don't know. I've never seen a. I've the only time I saw a three touchdown line like that. I would think would have been back in like the process Sixers days, who have the record for twenty eight straight losses across two seasons. Yeah, sixteen and a half is a still that's still a pretty big number. So that right is now, the, that is the answer. Because Brian was just not going to guess the answer. So he does. <laughs> well, <Quite> trivia. <laughs> right. I would just say that even terrible NBA teams don't lose routinely by you know, by 17 points. And if you look at the Pistons and it's, you know, this is a fool's errand because by the time this publishes, everybody will know, but like they have lost quite a few games by a lot of points recently, but they, they are two and they are two and currently 28. That's, that's what happens. By the way, we're going to do the, we're going to do the Pistons later, but since we started this way, I have a trivia question about the Pistons. Let's go. When By the way, those uh, those point spreads are powered by ESPN Bet. There you go. And now to present today's trivia question, the whiz of the quiz, Tim Bontemps. Do you guys know the last time the Pistons won a playoff game? Uh, Was it the Rick Carlisle days? No, not Rick Carlisle because Larry Brown replaced him. Um, <laughs> that would be a little <laughs> ways, by, ways ago. Yeah, it wasn't. S- they won a championship since then. It I want to say 2008. Did they win? Did they win a playoff game with Blake? No. Okay. The last time the Detroit Pistons won a playoff game was Game Four of the Eastern Conference Finals. 
wow. in 2008. Ooh. Kendrick Perkins started in the game, our colleague at ESPN. There are nine players in the NBA right now who were in the league the last time the Pistons won a playoff game. Who are they? Nine? LeBron nine James. guys. Nine times? Yep. LeBron James. Nine times. Nine players. Chris Paul. I was referencing yep. a movie. Kevin Durant. Yeah. It zoomed uh, over your head. Just answer Those the guys question. Who could I know, that I know reference, the reference. I'd like but, to I don't know the reference. my hat off to you. Tell me the reference. Ferris Bueller. I knew the reference. Brian's just ignoring trivia again. So Even got, Jackson knew that one. Yes. You got three of you got three of them, McMahon. What did LeBron, I say? So Chris, Chris Paul, Paul, and Katie. Was Russ in the league then? Nope. 2008 yeah. draft. This was the next year. Um, Can I just say that a trivia question with nine answers? There, it's none no, of them are down to six. Not, they're not secret names. They're all very prominent players. Yeah, it's it's it, it, it's down to six. Like, do you want to throw some contributions out there? Mine. Not really. Udonis Haslam. Just kidding. He's not in the league anymore. Come on, Wendy, help me out of here, man. I'm struggling. Who are the geezers? In so the there's, there's, there's one guy in the 03 draft who's obviously LeBron. There's one guy in the 05 draft who's obviously Chris Paul. There's two guys in the 2006 draft. Darren okay. Williams. <laughs> I'm glad you're playing along. Oh, Mike Conley's got to be in one of these guys. Mike Conley is one of them. That's a good there's, one. That, there's I'll take five, my head off to that There's one. five guys in the 2007 draft. You've named two of them, KD and Conley. Oh, man. I'm trying to think of geezers around the league. How, how many of these guys are still actually in rotations? Have I named all the rotation players? Nope. There's Dang. all but all but one of them are playing a lot of minutes. All, right, all but I'm, one of them is starting. Or no, one of them is two of them are coming off the bench. I'm one not cheating. I'm just looking at standings to refresh. Steph Curry. Oh no, 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 no. Al Horford. Horford okay, is so one. I'm up to five. There's two P more. PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker. I'm up there's to one more guy in the 06 draft, and there's two more guys in the 07 draft. Taj Gibson. Taj Gibson was old enough, but he was drafted a couple years later. Damn. All right. Well, where am I? I'm, I'm still at six. One of them won the title last year in Denver. Who won the, who won the oh, yeah. title last year? Jeff Green. Jeff Green. Jeff Green. Yeah. One of uh, them used to be a Raptor, and one is currently a Raptor. Those are the last two. Uh, Thaddeus Young. Young. Thaddeus Young is the one who currently is a Raptor. Garrett Temple's not that old, huh? No. Okay. But this this one this one should be very easy. The former Raptor. It ain't Kawhi, is it? The greatest Raptor of all time, as he's called in Toronto. Oh, Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry is the other one. Right. That's the nine guys. There you go. Since the piss is less. <laughs> Tell you what. Here's the question. Is anybody that's in the league now still going to be in the league the next time the Pistons are going to play off? <laughs> Holy moly. That is a gratuitous shot. Ah, I tell you, I mean, you know things are bad when the owner responds to loud sell the team chance after the 20 whatever straight win or straight loss by calling a Zoom call with beat reporters and basically saying, we're going to make a bunch of changes, <laughs> but the changes aren't the coach who you just gave the richest contract in NBA coaching history, second richest now, but at the time it was. And it's not going to be the the uh, the GM. <laughs> like, oh, you're going to change the roster. <laughs> the problem is, there's only so many players on this roster. Anybody else wants? <laughs> so, yeah, it's tough, man. Well, it's a, you it's know, a tough, it's a tough situation on a lot of fronts. Between draft picks that they've made and draft picks that they've traded for, I think Troy Weaver's drafted like maybe ten guys, and nine of them are centers. 
and none of them can shoot. The only guy you drafted who can shoot is Sadiq Bey, who he traded for a guy who can't shoot. Pistons are dead last in three-point makes per game, dead last in attempts per game, and 29th in three-point percentage. Yeah, so that's that means... A, that's a fatal combination in today's league. Well, right. and especially when you've got a guy who you hope is going to be like a premier playmaker who is just... We have no idea how good Cade Cunningham might be because the circumstances are so bad around him. Like, it, the spacing is horrific. And he's played better lately, but I think what you can sort of safely say at this point is he's got a chance to be a really good player, but it seems unlikely he's going to be a top five, like change the franchise kind of player. Yeah. Just because it they have the- that he's going to be, he, that he's even going to be the best player on a decent team. Well, I don't, I think we're a little bit premature. The latter, if, the if, latter you're, maybe, if you're standard, but- if you're standard and look, he's the number one overall pick. So your standard is that. If you're if you're saying to me he doesn't look like he's Jaw or Luca, I would agree with that right. statement. But I still think he can be an all star. Oh yeah, I think he can be a really good player. My point is only that you look at you know there's certain number one picks that you get that they totally change the trajectory of your franchise, right? Yeah, Gabe's going to be a really good player. It does not seem like he's going to be that kind of player. Bontemps and I were texting about this the other night. So that it's a little bit early, but the 2021 draft, which was the year that Cade was the number one pick, there hasn't been an all-star from that draft yet. Now, well, this again, year this there year, will be potentially two. I'm not sure that that's true. I think there's some, there's some contenders to be all-stars. Now you're saying Wagner and Shingun are the two, I would assume. Not, I said not, Wagner. I like I like Franz a lot, but he ain't going to be an all star this year. I don't think he yeah. will be. No. So Scotty Barnes. Be... Scotty Barnes. I think oh, yeah, is going to yeah. be an all star this okay. year. You do? I do. You think the Raptors are getting an all star this Have year? Have you looked at Scotty? What Scotty Barnes is doing? Yes, I'm very well aware of what he's our, doing. Our 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 colleague, the machine, a couple of weeks ago had Scotty Barnes as an all star starter this year. Well, we you and I know that that's not happening. Well, I know he's not going to start, but I if you look at the competition. In the Eastern Conference, I think he's pretty clearly the fourth forward as of now, or the fourth front court player. He's been he's been tremendous. I, I'm not prepared. I don't have enough research to say that he's averaging 20 points, nine rebounds, six assists, and shooting 49 percent for a bad team. That's good, but it's not like demanding as well. I mean, sure, but he's he's been he's been really good. And our parent Shangun has also been really good Absolutely. and has a shot in the I, West. I, I think believe- he's got a, a I think he's got a harder road to an all-star spot than Barnes, but I think he's got a shot. No, but he's clearly the Rockets' best player. And Jalen Green, who was the number two pick in this draft, is not second. He's not, I don't think, third. I mean, he he's having a he's regressing. I mean, Ime well, anyway. is getting asked about him coming off the bench potentially, right? Now he shot it down, but the fact well, it's even a topic sort of says, well, he doesn't says the story. Games. Yeah, he doesn't finish a lot of games. He's Got a career low field goal percentage, a career low three point percentage, career low points per game, and he's he is a guy who you hope can be like a really dynamic scorer. Right now, he's an inefficient scorer, not a great playmaker, and a poor defender. Young, there's still time, but his career is not trending up. While you got guys around him, Alperen Shingun certainly trending up. Jabari Smith Jr. trending up. They've got a couple of vets in there who've really threw a Tari Eason coming off the bench. Yeah, good, good draft pick. 
He's, he's been really, really good. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying the 2021 class, like, uh, you know, it's their third year. Let's not, you know, but they're not making you think, boy, we got to rewrite the history books for no. best draft classes. But if your point is that Cade Cunningham is not driving winning, he's not being a difference maker in terms of winning. I think that's a, if that's your standard, that's, that's question. Yeah, I, I think Cade's, I, I'm a huge fan of Cade's game. I think he's really good, but he, if he was, if he was at that kind of a level, these guys wouldn't be two and 28. Like, yeah, you, you know, don't lose just 20, like, 27 straight games if you've got a guy who's driving winning. Well, yeah, the, the, that's, that's the all. The thing is, and look, I haven't watched a lot of Pistons basketball this year, but the thing is, is that in the NBA, even bad shooting teams, because the Lakers, they're actually a little bit better. They're three-point shooting. They've crawled out of the bottom five. But like the other night, they had a game in Oklahoma City where they just hit shots. LeBron went five of five, mm-hmm. and they won a game because even bad shooting teams, you know, in the rankings, occasionally you play four games a week. Occasionally you have a hot night. You get to play half your games at home. Occasionally you catch a team on the second night of a back-to-back who's got tough travel and, you know, they lay down. And it's sitting half the rotation like the Utah Jazz did recently. Oh my, exactly. A a bad team. Even if like, you know, there are teams that are outright tanking that still win 30, 40, 35, 40% of their games. Well, that, and that's yeah. the problem. The Pistons thought they were going to be competitive this year. They thought they were going to be in the play-in mix. And yeah, they haven't a, won since freaking whip. Like, literally since October. Well, well, their last win, Zach their third game of the season. Yeah, Zach Levine had 50 points for the, for the Bulls. No and, assists. And, and no assists. And and the, the Pistons won, and they were 2-1. and one. And, this, and from that call you had that you'd mentioned the other day, Tim, this was Tom Gores' quote about his expectations for the season. We wanted to be competing every day to have a chance for the play in, play in or the playoffs. We wanted our players to grow. That would have been success for us. That's what we discussed. We knew that we had a lot of growing to do. Those were the expectations, to compete, grow, and be near the playoffs. That's how you grow the most. Make no mistake about it. That was the expectation. Well, I will say this. is now 2-28. and 28. His actions did match that. He paid $80 million for a coach, yeah. and their offseason yeah. moves were to trade for two veterans. They traded for Joe Harris, absorbed his contract, and they yep. traded for Monty Morris. Now, And didn't you know, trade Boyan Bogdanovich, who they could have traded and got some stuff for. Which they should. They still <laughs> should. Certainly, but, Certainly yeah, should now. Like, like, it's one thing to say that, you know, we thought we were going to be a playoff team and then field a bunch of 17 or, you know, 19-year-olds. But they actually got veterans and, like, we're trying. Like, that's what's... That's what's so amazing. And of course, now that we say all this, they'll pull some miracle and win tonight in this pot right. of being validated. Well, I, I, yeah. I mean, one of their guys I do like, Jalen Duran, second year, super springy athletic, you know, well-built big. He's been hurt a lot. But like, I mean, there are individual pieces here that I think have potential, but just the fit is awful. And like, man, you pay $80 million for a coach and lose 114 straight games. That's yeah, the thing. So I mean, last last February, right before the All-Star break, they played a game against the Spurs. It was a double tank off. Both teams were in full tank mode. And the Pistons won that game in double overtime. Now, I did not watch that game. Uh, I reviewed the box score of the game. <laughs> and it looks like in the second overtime, Pop pretty much pulled whatever talent that he had. Again, that may not even 100% be true, but he didn't even like basically play his starters in the second overtime. And the Pistons won. Okay. It was like on February 10th or 12th, 2023. Since that game, 
coming into this game tonight. Since that game, they're four and fifty-one. Oh. Four and fifty-one. Now, last year was they were tanking, but even when they were tanking, they fell into a couple of wins. They ended last season two and they ended last season two and twenty-three. But it's worse this year when they're not tanking. That's what I'm saying. And I was going to point out the worst team in history. And by, by the way, actually, I just I'm just looking at the at the standings. The only team they beat over the final two months of last season were the Indiana Pacers, who, by the way, were also tanking. That's yes. right. So okay. So they are seven and fifty or four and fifty-one coming into tonight. I don't know. They played the next two games against the Celtics. I don't like their chances there. Well, they're playing the Celtics and then they play they play the Raptors, who are playing Boston here Friday, and then go to Detroit on Saturday. That is a game they could maybe win and they would be well advised to do so. Cause then they go on a West Coast trip after that. Okay, well, let, me, let, 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 let me just Saturday frame night. this. Let me just frame this real quick. <laughs> the worst team by percentage in the history of the NBA was the Bobcats in mm. that in that uh, lottery sh- or lottery in that lockout shortened season 11 yep. 12. They were seven, seven and, and 59. Seven and 59. I just said they're four and 51. And that Bobcats team was tanking. Four and 51, seven and 59. They'd have to get red hot to get to seven wins before they get to 59 losses. Fellas, time. here's how bad the Pistons are. Their winning percentage, 0.067, is a legal breathalyzer reading. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, McMahon is all over that. <laughs> they've got they've got about a, a a two, maybe three beer breathalyzer reading for their freaking winning percentage. It's not good. It's not good. It's not uh, even, good. Even I mean, in the states I mean, it, where it's 0.8, where you know, in those renegade states where it's 0.1, they got a comfortable. Yeah. I mean, look, they, they've had injuries. You mentioned Jalen Dern missed time. Boyan missed the first month of the season. They haven't had a lineup play more than nine games or play over a hundred minutes this year. So they've constantly been changing stuff around. Monty Williams has made some weird decisions, frankly, I think from a coaching standpoint, their young players have not developed. I mean, it, they'll let this, they've had some bad luck. All this stuff sort of coalesces together. The bottom line though, is that this thing is in an awfully bad spot. And for a team that hasn't won a playoff game in 15 years, the only team in the league that hasn't won a playoff game in that span, not surprisingly, because you literally won one playoff game in that amount of time. The, the saddest part for the Pistons fan base is that they're ground zero rebuild wise. Like well, we've and- joked a bunch about phase two with the Rockets, but like you look at Orlando, you look at Houston, you look at Oklahoma City, you look at all these teams that are on the way up trending up with young players like the Pistons they're still at the bottom even after all that time there's just it's going to be a long grind to even get out of the hole they're in now well and fans are still showing up like the sell the team chants are loud because there's actually people still yes but for the same rubbernecking reason they're there to to, you know to try to see them avoid the history like the, the the crowds have picked up these last few games but it was actually reasonable energy in the building for that game against the Nets the other night yeah more Hoop Collective podcast after this. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. 
You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Speaking of the Nets, just to illustrate how focused the Nets were on beating the Pistons in that game for the 27th consecutive loss, the Nets had a back-to-back in Detroit on uh, Tuesday, home against Milwaukee on Wednesday, and they basically prioritized the Detroit win over Milwaukee at home. And Jock Vaughn, their coach, did a weird thing. Well, first off, they announced several players were out due to rest, like it was 2022-23 again. And then before the game, Jock Vaughn said that he would have rested Mikhail Bridges, but Mikhail Bridges wants to keep his consecutive games played streak going, so he's going to let him play. And it basically goes back to when he was playing on eight-foot hoops, like he's never missed a game anywhere. And I think last year he actually played in 83 games. He did. Because the, and he, because and the he, And he tried to play in an 84th. But he didn't quite, the trade wasn't quite completed. Because remember when they when they they had just been in Brooklyn when they did the Durant trade and they had to turn around and go back, but right. they couldn't complete the trade. But he wanted to play like the night he was traded. So he would yeah, they were gonna play the Knicks. they played the Knicks. They played the Knicks and at the garden. They, they the trade didn't quite clear get cleared, get cleared quite in time for him to play. Yeah. So anyway, so they let him play, but then he benched him after one quarter. The Nets did sort of this weird resting hybrid Bon Temps and it irritated some people on Wednesday night. Well, it was, it was just an absolutely embarrassing display by the franchise. I mean, what are they doing? They're, they're a team that's trying to get into the play in trying mm-hmm. to hope, you know, they're trying to make the playoffs like, yeah, Milwaukee's really good. They also are 500 on the road. We've talked about how bad their defense is. The Nets fire up a bunch of threes. There's no reason they couldn't have won this game. And you're tanking a game in December what what are you doing? I mean, it's it's just a ridiculous thing to do on every level. Well, and, you and sit three have... of your starters. You sit three of your starters. You have Royce and Cam Thomas and Mikael Bridges basically play a quarter and mm-hmm. then don't play in the rest of the game. And then, you know, Jack Vaughn gets asked about it after the game, gives this absurd answer where he's like, oh, you know, I'm out there coaching hard for 48 minutes and I didn't sit down the whole game. I'm like, yeah, Jack, I get it. You're coaching the guys around the court. But that's not what this is about. Right. You, right. you literally tanked a game in the middle of December. This is insane. It's not right. sitting Kevin Durant on the second night of a back-to-back in his late 30s when he's had a ton of injuries or sitting LeBron James at 39 on the second night of a back-to-back. This is a young team that has aspirations to just make the playoffs, and they just threw away a game in December. It was absurd and embarrassing and just a ridiculous situation. And I hope that the league gives them some sort of fine if they can find a way to do it, because this is just a ridiculous thing. What for would, they, what to would be the doing. fine to be? There, 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 nobody in there is a player participation program. Completely eligible. embarrassing the NBA. Like, what? What is the point? <laughs> I mean, what is the point the thing, of though, having like, people show up to pay for these? There's games? been there's been that's, way more embarrassing shutdowns. That's in the fine. Last, Listen, that's within fine. the last okay. week. Honestly, like the the Mavericks when they went to Houston. 
Luka didn't play. Exum didn't play. They had a bunch of guys legitimately hurt. They got beat by, I don't remember how many points. I think it was like a 65-point game. <laughs> it, was, it was awful. That one, though, like you understand, Luka's workload has been insane. It's reached a point where, at least until Kyrie's back, Luka's not going to be playing both ends of back-to-backs. He's averaging 40 minutes per game in uh in, in December with a ridiculous usage rate. There's not guys on the Brooklyn rot like they don't they don't have guys who are playing crazy high minutes. Bridges is averaging 34 minutes. That's the most anybody on the roster. It's not like they've well, got somebody who's but got a crazy high usage. In all, in all honesty, if you're gonna complain about something, you should complain that it wasn't made known to the public they were gonna do this when there's active engagement on betting for this yes including including in new york state the the line on this game and i mean this is what it closed at i don't know where it was midday but the 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 line on this game closed at milwaukee favored by nine and a half and the over under was 244 and a half the 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 over ended up flying through it was there was 266 points scored in this game and they end up um milwaukee ends up winning by 22 and if they were going to play, they were going to bench a couple of guys and play three key players one quarter. That should be acknowledged. If that's the plan right. going in, that should be acknowledged because certain people would be aware that that was the plan. And so if right. you're going to make a complaint, that's because the NBA doesn't really focus too much on stuff that doesn't affect, you know, money or whatever. But that's that can affect it. And if I'm if I'm a better, which I'm not, I'm pretty annoyed if I made a bet on that game and forget even about the line. Let's say I made a, you know, you know, there's a whole world out there of uh, individual player wagers, you know? Well, and there's you, also, I don't know what the bridges Jackson's wondering what the over was for Mikhail bridges. Like if you just said to me, would, would you know, if I was asked on some show yesterday afternoon, would Mikhail bridges go over against the, uh, the bucks? I'd be like, Reasonable belief that he would go over. You know, they don't play defense, especially on the road. Sure. I mean, there was there had to be money on the Mikhail Bridges over out there. Well, listen, if you want to say, like, look, like you say, you mentioned that Houston gimmick, man. Fine. Yeah. You, you're at, you have a bunch of injuries. Luca's playing a gazillion minutes. They're in the top four in the West. They have designs on doing stuff in the playoffs. Like, okay, like that stuff happens throughout the year. I get it. It is embarrassing to have these guys play a quarter and then sit them and then act after the game like, Oh yeah, you know we were very concerned about their minutes, so we had to shut them down after a quarter. Like now, you have Mikael Bridges getting asked about this, and he's now popping off at the organization, saying, "Well, look, their beliefs are one thing, but I was healthy. I should be. I feel like I should be playing," which certainly isn't great for a Nets team that's trying to reestablish a culture and you know a, a way of playing in the wake of uh, you know their superstar era not working. I mean, the whole thing was just a giant embarrassment across the board like it's just and this is a franchise that has done this consistently over and over again for years and in a market where frankly nobody cares about the nets they don't have a huge foothold there as it is and now you're just saying yeah well we don't really care what our fans think anyway i mean it's it's a a crappy product for fans they if you if you bought a ticket for that game you should get a ticket for a future game because that like you did not get your money's worth. Well, you got to see Giannis have an almost triple. I was going to say, unless you were wearing a Giannis jersey, and then he went for 32, 10, and 8. But, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's a crappy product for fans. It's also just an insane thing for a team that's not doesn't – it isn't playing for really anything past making the first round of the playoffs to do to begin with. What if they end up missing the playoffs by a game or missing the play-in by a game in April? Well, you know? this is – this. 
was routine. It's become less routine this year. But um, what's the situation with Brooklyn's pick this year? Is it a swap? I believe Where? Houston just has it. No, I will look uh, it up right now. It's either a swap with the Rockets or Houston has it. Either way, the Rockets liked their strategy last night. I'm sure. Sure, it's <laughs> great. I'm sure, sure, sure. Phase two was pumping fists. There. <laughs> There was no complaints filed out of Houston last uh, night. Well, the only thing the Rockets didn't like about the Nets was that they traded Kevin Durant to Phoenix because <laughs> the Suns broke out of their funk by uh, with a KD triple-double in Houston. So They have to pick right. outright, the Rockets. There you go. All right, unprotected. Uh, okay, so let's go take a look. Oh, did you have trivia or did you already give us the trivia? He gave us a trivia. trivia. Okay. You just ignored the trivia. Like no, I, I didn't ignore it. I respect it. I just I mean you didn't respect it. You gave insane answers the entire time. No, because I you, don't like a trivia said, question that has nine answers. You predicted or you called for Bob Pettit. That Bob Pettit was still in the league. I respectfully didn't do that. I'm just I'm yeah. just saying Bob Pettit because I think I think I'm on solid ground when I say trivia more. questions with nine answers are mildly annoying. Listen, yeah. the people love the whiz of the quiz. That's that's Bontemp's way. He's good, but mildly annoying. That's, uh, that's, that's I would his, argue. Uh, I would argue both good and mildly in those two. <laughs> that's Bontemp's trademark. On uh, the other end of the spectrum, Western Conference. We saw Oklahoma City uh, have a interesting week. They got beat by the Lakers right before Christmas at home when LeBron was red hot from three, mm-hmm. but they bounced back to thrash the Minnesota Timberwolves, the team who's right ahead of them in the standings, and then they pounded the Knicks who've been reasonably hot on Wednesday night. The Thunder are 20 and nine as we record this podcast. They um, they have, uh, you know, imbalanced schedule that has favored them. There, You know, there's some teams that have played heavy road schedules early on. They've played a heavy home schedule. They've played 17 home games and just 12 away games. So, you know, th- there may be, you know, by the Doug Moe standings, they've, um, they're plus five. So I'm sorry. Subtract uh, road victories. Oh, math. They're negative. <laughs> They're actually negative one. I'm sorry. In the Doug Most standings, I misread that. Negative one somewhere in that range. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, keep that in mind. But uh, the, the, the Pistons are a 500 team, give or take 26 losses. Right. And the Doug Most standings, the Pistons. Let's see what they are. Just, <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> their just, uh, reading, reading <laughs> illegal those two. <laughs> uh, let's see. It's not good. Anyway, the are really, really, really damn good. No matter what standings you're looking at. That's correct. And uh, J Dub, Jalen Williams, the uh, the wing, the six eight wing. Uh, had a terrific game, put up, uh, what do you have, 30, 38, 36. He had a huge game. Uh, he and uh, Shea, Gildas Alexander, both had 36 in that win uh, over the Knicks. They are, they are, I don't you know, they're overachieving to this point, but they were getting right. to the point, well, that's what I'm saying. We're getting to the point this season where, like, no, we did not, ex- it was not expected they would be number two. They are overachieving their expectation. They were not expected to be number two in the West at this point. I think mm, was, I would say I would say that this on, is buddy. the high end nobody, of the range. Nobody so they talked about them as a possible top four team before the season. Yes. Sam Presti and his minions made a priority of diminishing their expectations going into the season. That's that's what happened because there was ample reason for excitement around the Thunder. 
And they yes, to, to be a top things. six team, I agree. But to be a top four, we discussed top four a lot. Like we, they were, yes, we talked were, about well, it. Well, they I don't know if you guys are aware of this. Team. There's a difference between top two and top four. I didn't know if you heard of that. Oh, yeah. And you know what that difference is right now? Let me hold on. Let me get my freaking. Uh, yeah, Brian, do the math. That, that, that different. They're two games back, and the number three team is one and a half games back. So that's the difference. Okay. <laughs> it's it, like they are. They have a 690 winning percentage. The Nuggets are 688 just because the, the Nuggets have played more games. What we uh, can all agree on is they're at the high end games. That, right. that whether whether you thought this was realistic or not, certainly they've performed to the high end of what they were capable of. That that we can all agree on. And, and I think the one way that they are really exceeding expectations is Chet Holmgren is a much better offensive threat than I think anybody thought he would be just right off the bat, like Chet being an efficient 18 point per game score is gravy. Dude, 53% overall, 37% on four threes a game, 84% at the line. 84 yeah, four threes a game and 37% is what's the game changer. And, and, and not only is he a guy blocking shots at the rim, he's knocking down threes at the other end. He's spacing the floor. It's just a, at that, that is the thing. His improvement is what has launched them, or his his play yes. is what has launched them up a level for sure. And Jalen Williams is also an efficient 18-point-per-game score. Uh, both So Shea's average from whatever it is now, 31 a game. Chet and J-Dub are right around in that 18 range. All those guys have true shooting percentages that are north of 60%. Super Dude, Lou Dort is shooting 42% on threes. Yes, Lou Dort. Lou Dort. Yeah, and and he's an elite defender. Lou Dort being an oh, elite yes. three and D guy. Who, hey, are these threes a lot of times wide open? Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> he's making teams like you can't leave Lou Dort, Lou Dort alone on the three point line. Honestly, the Thunder they've got to finish their breakfast right to use the Presty line. Like we're at least on to lunch now. Now is is are he, we? I mean, does he feel that yes. way? I'm sorry. Yes, you're eating lunch. Oh. All the all the big three did against the Knicks Wednesday night was combined to score uh, ninety four points on sixty five percent shooting. That's pretty good. Because, because so the breakfast was about evaluating the the fit of this kind of getting a, a gauge on the talent. And and listen, if they decide we want a full season, we want to see how these guys fare in the playoffs. Fine. All I'm saying is they are good enough to where exploring the trade market for a finishing piece a piece that might be able to really vault you to the top of the Western Conference is a reasonable possibility. It is at least a reasonable possibility. What would you think? I don't think they will. I don't, I do not think they will admit that. Okay. And I, do not, I, and, 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 I don't care what they admit. Yeah. That okay. doesn't matter what they admit. Our conversation of the Oklahoma city blue shoes, how excited we are about them, how good of a big three they already have in place. And obviously, you've got to consider future finances and all that kind of stuff. You have to consider: do you do they need another star? Or do they? Let me throw out two guys I think would be really interesting fits. One is the big swing; you have to blow, uh, you know, blow them out of the water to get it done. Package a whole bunch of picks, you know, Josh Giddy and some some salary, and go get Larry Markkinen. Make Danny Ainge tell you no. You put Larry Markkinen next to Chet Holmgren. The one, the one flaw they have is they are pretty small. Yeah, they between, don't rebound. They don't rebound well. Between Chet Holmgren and Jalen Williams, 
You still have Shagel Gilgis Alexander as your superstar engine. You plug Casey Wallace, who's a really, really. By really the good. way, real quick, thirty-second timeout on Casey Wallace. That dude is already a plus defender. He's finishing some games. Mark Dagonal will have him finish games yeah. ahead of Josh Giddy. He's also. Do you know how hard it is for a rookie to be a rookie point guard to be an efficient shooter? I don't care if you're shooting three well, shots a game. Yes. Do you know how hard it is? Go look at the history of rookie point guards and what they shoot. They routinely shoot under 40%. I agree. I also, he, he defends shoots. point guards. I, he really doesn't play point guard. Most of his, like his three-point percentage, I'm not looking at it right now, but it's phenomenal. It's a bunch of wide open catch and shoots, which I know. Great. It's 44%, by the way. He doesn't shoot that many. Right. Um, I, I think, I think you would, you people in Oklahoma City wouldn't mind seeing those percentages going down and seeing him kind of test the waters a little bit more on. Yeah. Need more than two attempts a game. Okay. Yeah. That is a viable, but he's a stud evaluation, but you're much better off if you're saying, Hey, rookie guard who's shooting 53% from the field, shoot a little bit more instead of, Hey, oh, yeah. rookie guard who's shooting 37% yes. in the field. Don't worry. It'll get better. Well, listen, <laughs> he's that, that archetype is a much better fit than Josh Giddy in their lineup. Like it's yeah. just obviously the case, the Giddy fit. Has, we talked about it going into the season, like the, the two questions they had to answer, right. As far as the evaluation thing that we were talking about, that you mentioned Presty was talking about before the season. One was, could Chet Holmgren play center? And what would that look like? That's been a resounding A++ answer, right? The other was, does Josh Giddy fit with Shea Gillis Alexander in the backcourt? And is he part of their long-term starting lineup? The answer to that pretty clearly is no. He He's yeah. not going to be a core part of what they're doing long-term if they're going to be a championship-level team because his deficiencies are just a bad fit with their current group. Doesn't mean he's not a really good player or a really intriguing prospect. Not, he's obviously not a really good player at this point. He's an intriguing prospect who his deficiencies don't match up with fitting next to Shea Gilles Alexander and Jalen Williams and Chet Holmgren. Yeah, so in case of Wallace, wouldn't exactly be selling high on Giddy right now either for a variety of reasons. Well, yeah, that um, that obviously is true. But to your point, Larry Marketing is a reason his name keeps coming up with them because he does check every box from well, a size shooting. You, let, let, let's, let me ask you this. You're you're right, Bontemps. McMahon, do you honestly think that the Jazz would trade Markkinen? Well, the only, again, the only you have that to you're blow trading... them out of the water. You like The Thunder have 17 picks over the next five years. They'd have to bundle up a bunch of them. Now, honestly, I and I don't know that Presti would even make the phone call. I don't know that, you know, he... He's I think to... the, the position that the Thunder are in right now, they'll take your phone call. I don't know if they're making the phone call. The other thing, though, if I'm Danny Ainge, you know what I'm doing in that deal? Casey Wallace has to be in it. And then I think that I, I well, think that's enough to, to end the conversation. Okay, that's just one possibility, right? In yeah. terms of a and and then there's questions like Lowry's thriving as as the guy in Utah. Where do you, where would he fit in the pecking order in Oklahoma City? What I think he'd be phenomenal there. I think you could have. Your superstar Shea Gillis Alexander and two ABC with him, Chet and uh, J Dub, but whatever. I'm not calling the shots. The other one at a at a much lower price point would be how about going and getting a premier role player who gives you a little bit more size, still shooting. How about going and getting? I'm going to throw out one of my favorite role players in the league, 
Dorian Finney-Smith, you know, a guy yeah. like that, a guy with playoff experience. Why are they trading him? Why are the, the Nets? Because they're not going anywhere because they can get, you know, apparently they were asked for a couple first-round picks this summer. They can get a first-round pick for him because they've got a whole bunch. They've got more wings and they have minutes there. I mean. Well, I agree. If he becomes available, they will get myriad offers, if that would yeah. be true. That, but again, that, just that that type of player, to me, would also make sense. Now, the pushback potentially from from Oklahoma City folks would be, hey, we're already having nah, problems is not the right word, but it's already a challenge to find minutes for all these good young players that we want to get minutes for. Uh, but I'm just telling you, man, they're really good now. It's a team with precious little playoff experience, basically in the rotation. SGA has a little bit. Lou Dort has a series. But they're awfully good now and have a chance to be really good for a long time. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or bike plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Well, I would say that we always talk about actions over words. When the Thunder executed that trade that they made uh, early in the season, basically took Kevin Porter off Houston's hands uh, and then immediately cut him. They used Victor Oladipo's contract in that trade. Now they still have Davis Bertans contract, but Bertans contract has a guarantee next year. Only 5 million though. Okay. But it's, you know, they, if I, if I thought that they were going to, they were seriously thinking about making a major transaction later on in the season. I think they would have either held on to Porter. I know it would have been a bad PR hit, but you obviously never would have shown up and, Right. He said he's not even on the, you know, you would have just explained it or you'd have held on to Oladipo. Um, now, again, if they get a call with a trade that they find juicy, I'm not saying they're not going to do it. I just think, I mean, that, yeah, with Bertons and, and with Bertons and Poku, though, they've got 22 million in expiring money. I mean, because again, you could say oh. Bertons has a small partial. Uh, let's just call it expiring money. They've got 22 million in expired money right there to make a deal. They, they're flexible enough to do whatever they need to do from a salary. Right. Standpoint. But I'm just talking about their, their, their mindset. When they made that trade, it was an indication that they want to, you know, how they're going to go. Well, yeah. And everything Presty has said is, is patience, patience, patience. This is a quote, discovery year. What you're discovering is, holy smokes, do they got 
a, a core in place. And well, then you know, again, the other thing that has to be considered for them as a small market team, although one that's being gifted a, a new arena, but you have to consider Shea is going to be a supermax player for as long as he's in, or at least the foreseeable future, right? He's on a max now. His next contract is going to be a supermax. <laughs> Chet might end up being a supermax player. We'll, we'll see how that goes. He's at least going to be a max guy. J-Dub's probably going to be a max guy. And that's why it is, you know, for them, they're going to need, like you can't take all 17 first rounders of the next five years, but they're always going to need a steady portion of their uh, of their roster to be that's guys true. on those rookie contracts. Well, what you're describing is interesting as, as, it, as it applies to Josh Giddy. Now, he obviously is dealing with unknown outcome off the court mm-hmm. issue right now. But independent of that, yes, Giddy is due for an extension after this season. And so as you look at how you're going to pay for this team, you do have to figure, are you going to extend, you know, where do you see Josh Giddy? I mean, you don't have to extend him. You can let him go to restricted free agency, but um, you know, he's starting for them. They're starting guards. Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't think he's a long-term fit, you know, Maybe well, I'm wrong. Take a, we they, have, both, they have two guys who need the ball a lot. One of them is one of the five or six best players in the league, and one of them is Josh Giddy. So one of them is going to have the ball a lot, and it's not going to be well, Josh And I would argue three. Jalen Williams, who's a an extremely efficient second-year guy. Right. Yeah. I just, I'm just strictly talking about in the backcourt. If you have him out there with Shea, Shea's going to have the ball all the time. And if Josh I, Giddy is not a guy who could shoot, which he can't to this point in his career, and he can't really guard, then it's a hard fit playing him next to a dominant on ball creator. Just, well, and the reason, just the way it is. And 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 Giddy, you know, again, pending the outcome of this off-court investigation that is ongoing, uh, Giddy is a player who is still on his rookie contract who would have interest, I think, elsewhere, were he able to get uh I don't know how I don't know I don't know how the crypt play. It, it, it's a toxic, down, it's a toxic situation. The from a PR yep. perspective, Josh Giddy is toxic right now. That's just like it is what it is. Right. So I so I don't so I don't know if it's really a, a real conversation that you could ever that you could have. So at least not right now. But and that may have, that may play into because he he you know other than the picks, he's probably the prime asset that you're talking about that the Thunder would be willing to trade. They're not trading. I mean, not right now. Yeah. Well, right. So like no, you know, J Dub is untouchable. Chet Holmgren untouchable. Obviously Shea untouchable. To me, Casey Wallace is pretty close. To untouchable. Well, again, depends on the player, but I honestly think that it would take a team to call the Thunder mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, what about this?" And I also don't think that they're renting a player. I don't. I don't think like they're taking Gordon Hayward. Yeah, you know, to try to increase their chances to you know you know beat the uh, to beat the Nuggets this year. But you know, I I do think when you look at that. West, that top end of the West, like, you know, we're pretty far into the season now. The the, the, the dudes who track this will tell you that the team, you know, and I, I, I will put a couple, you know, I put the Suns outside of this because they haven't had their team at all. But typically the team that you are through this course of the season is kind of the team that you are. So that is relevant when it comes to where the Thunder and the, and the Wolves are. You know, the Wolves are Coming at this moment, twenty-two and seven. The Thunder, twenty and nine. The Nuggets are twenty-two and ten. So you know that's you know those three teams. There's a good chance that they're going to be the ones fighting it out for the top seat. There's a, there's a bit of a 
of a line between them and where the Clippers and and Kings are in fourth, fifth, and and Mavericks sixth. I hear you, but the Clippers had how many straight did they lose after the Harden deal? Five or six. I just think the Clippers have a pretty decent shot of being involved in that mix, given <laughs> given the way they've been playing uh, since kind of getting their feet under them, and getting things sorted with the rotation. Yes, but you also, as long as you're going to project, you know, now Kawhi is been missing games. It's fair. You're going to project that there's some of those guys are going to miss games too. So, but uh, but you know, but Minnesota, Oklahoma City, and Denver can all look at each other and go, you know, we might be fighting with each other for this top seed. I I doubt Denver really cares. I think if they get it, they get it. Yeah. But for Minnesota and Oklahoma City, getting that top seed could really be interesting. Yeah. Um, Minnesota's hands are tied. They're they're they really can't do anything. It has been reported, by the way, today while we were doing this pod, that um, the former Google CEO Eric Schmidt is joining the Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez ownership group. Ah, because they need some more money. <laughs> so basically, some Google money is coming in. And I yeah. then, I now, I mean, I think it was headed this direction anyway, but Glenn Taylor at the the current owner, the longtime owner, Glenn Taylor, at the start of the season gave an interview where he said he wasn't sure whether or not Lori and his group were going to be able to execute the last 40% of the team that they were going to buy at the end of the year here. Well, they have a new CEO. I'll go back to what I said at the start of the podcast. I want to know who the governor is. Um, there is typically, you can you can have whoever you want at the press conference. All that matters is, to me is who the governor is. And it was being set up that Mark Laurie was going to be the governor. So I don't see anything in this initial reporting that indicates that's any different. But getting that kind of backing is important. This is actually kind of sneaky big news. Yes. Um, because getting more deep pockets in the Wolves ownership group is key to what they can do going forward. Yeah, with, and I want I want I want to take their temperature. You know, I want them on the record about their willingness to pay luxury tax if it's a contender, because that's the big question staring them in the face going forward. They've got a first place in the West team almost midway through the season. Um, everybody in the league's been wondering how they're going to slash payroll. Like, are they willing to fund a contender and do what it takes in today's NBA to do that? Yeah, I think uh, I I am seeing this being reported by Sportico. This is happening in real time, so I don't know if somebody else reported it first, but um. So anyway, um, the uh, the that was significant news. But the Wolves, even if they're able to, uh, the new owners are able to take over with the money. The Wolves have the challenge of um, of, uh, of really not being able to improve this roster that much because of how much they owe on it. But they're pretty deep and pretty good. Their biggest concern, I'm sure, is health to uh, to their star players. But um, we will be watching to see if. If because you know the Nuggets are probably are pretty locked into their roster too, potentially a buyout destination if you're Denver. But Except they're in the second apron, I believe, right? So they can't. Oh no, they're not. I keep messing that up. They're not quite. So they can't get buyout guys. Yeah. So, um, but I don't think Minnesota and Denver are going to change their core of their team right. between now and the deadline. Oklahoma City doesn't seem like they want to, but they are obviously able to should they desire of, of the teams that are fighting for that number one seed in the West. So, uh, okay. Well, thank you for listening to the collective podcast. I hope everybody enjoys their weekend. We will be back to talk to you uh, next week. Adios amigos.